If you want to join me in reading scripture, we'll be in Luke 24, verses 30 through 49. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening up the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet and see that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy, they were disbelieving and still wondering. He said to them, have you anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was with you. That everything written about me and the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it was written, that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of all these things, and see, I am sending upon you what my Father has promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And thank you, Sean, for your prayer. It is awesome to be with you on this second Sunday of Easter. Last uh, Sunday was such a beautiful morning. It was full of food and fellowship and flowers and baptisms and we heard beautiful testimonies from Kiani and Ron and Christina stories of their own resurrection that they had found in Christ and we are going to continue today to just try to ponder and take in and absorb and wrap our heads around this great mystery of resurrection and it is good that we celebrate Easter every year Because this will always be a bigger mystery than we can ever fully comprehend. But today we want to look at um, this journey that we made to Easter. I want to start by saying uh, what Leslie uh, said to us before. But he is risen. He is risen indeed. Not in theory. Not in our imaginations. Not in myth. Not in hypothetical not in wishful thinking, but he is risen indeed. I love that word indeed. It holds this promise and this feeling of, of action and, and this physical manifestation that he is risen. That is a bold claim that we make when we say that. I mean, do we really believe he is risen indeed? 
Certainly, we will wrestle with questions and doubts and a lack of full understanding. But if we say he is risen indeed, then we are making a statement that is bold. And so I want to explore today what that might mean for us in our lives now. Not just that he was risen then, but that he's risen today. We didn't end up uh, at Easter out of nowhere. It wasn't just a Sunday that had extra food and fun and flowers. As a church, we decided to be intentional and we took a journey through Lent. We wanted to accompany Jesus through 40 days of contemplation and reflection and examination of ourselves and of what Jesus was doing. And so really, we spent this season and we began that season with Ash Wednesday. And what we did was in fact actually walk a path between two gardens. And today we're going to look at those two gardens and what they might have to tell us about Resurrection and the way that Jesus chose to reveal himself after he was raised from the dead. So I'm going to invite you to walk that path between those two gardens with me this morning. We begin in the garden of creation in Eden. God is doing his work of creating things that are good. And scripture tells us there that God creates Adam out of dust, and then he breathes life into that dust. And it is only when dust and breath come together that Adam becomes a living being. And so we see already that as humans, we are complex. We are not just flesh and bone or just this breath and spirit, but we are this mix of the two. And God creates Adam and Eve in this way, and he calls them good. And they are naked before each other, but it is good. And we know the story continues. And Ash Wednesday, we thought about this, this moment of the fall in this garden. It's not this big cataclysmic moment. There's no flashing lights or big thunder. They don't have some big thought out plan of this massive way. They're going to disobey God and disrupt everything. It's just this one simple moment. This moment of eating. This normal everyday part of life. The way that God has created us to be that we need to eat. And in that moment when Eve and Adam see the fruit that God has told them not to eat, both their dust and their spirit are intrigued. They want to eat because it looks good, good to taste, but also there's something that's going to happen in the eating that's going to give them knowledge. There's going to be some knowing, some understanding, some wisdom that comes in this moment of eating. And they want that. And they eat it. And scripture tells us that their eyes were opened. Their eyes are opened to things like death and shadow and shame. And so what started out as good is now not recognizable to them. Even their own initial state of nakedness that God created them in and said was good, they now see as shameful. 
And their response is to make their own clothes to try to cover up whatever has gone wrong. And scripture tells us in Genesis that God is kind even then and makes clothes for them. Clothes to accommodate this rupture in what was good. And that is the first garden scene that is going to create a need for another garden scene. And it all started with God breathing and with man eating and then with this clothing that is inadequate to cover up really what has now going to become a death pattern that we'll see throughout scripture and that we see in the world around us. And the journey to Easter then takes us to another garden. Scripture tells us that there was a garden in the place where Jesus was crucified. A garden which might represent life and beauty and rebirth is next to this place of death. And as Jesus is crucified, he takes on the blame for so many things that are not his to own. When we look at Adam and Eve, when God asked them to take responsibility for what they had done, they pointed fingers and blamed everyone else, shifted the blame. But Jesus, who is truly innocent, decides to take that blame. And so we see the beginning of the undoing of that first garden. And it says that Jesus lets out a loud cry and breathes his last. It feels like an extinguishing of that breath that God gave in the beginning that was supposed to give life. And now here Jesus is exhaling that last breath. That's where we found ourselves on Good Friday And that's what took us to that waiting space on Saturday. And they buried him in the clothing of death, in burial cloths and linens in the tomb. And it felt like all was lost. When Jesus rises from the dead, he also does not choose some big cataclysmic moment to reveal himself to his disciples. We were in, in Bible study on Thursday, and I think it was Chris who said, um, sorry, but shouldn't this moment just have been like bigger? Yeah, you would think. I mean, last Sunday, if you were in this church, like it was big, like there was a mariachi band, like couldn't Jesus have at least had a mariachi band to announce like that he was risen from the dead? But that's not how Jesus chooses to do it. And so, of course, we have to ask ourselves why, because it's intentional. Instead, Jesus chooses the very small, everyday ways to reveal himself. In the garden of the tomb... Jesus rises 
And you heard scripture read today describing this appearance to a couple disciples as they're just walking on a road. And they begin to talk and they don't even recognize that it's Jesus. And he's explaining the scriptures, which sounds awesome, but they still aren't able to recognize who he is. He's offering them this kind of knowledge and understanding and wisdom But they still can't see who's in front of them. In fact, you heard today that it says, It was as he reclined at the table with them that he took the bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. And then we hear this echo of the verse from that first garden. Only when they eat do we find that their eyes were opened. But this time... Their eyes are not opened to death and shame. Their eyes are opened to the reality of this risen Jesus. Their eyes are open to hope. To the truth that life conquered death. And so we see Jesus here undoing that first eating and instead offering a new meal that will give them new understanding. And this understanding will not bring shame, but will bring hope. And in that simple, everyday act of eating, they realize who he is. Passage in John gives us a little more to this picture. When Jesus appears to his disciples, it tells us also... Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And then here he does something strange. After saying this, he breathed on them. What had seemed like the last breath, the extinguishing of that first breath of creation, has returned. And he breathes on his disciples. He is breathing life into them. Telling them that that they are going to have life anew right then. That when it says he breathed his last, that was not his last. And he offers them this new life. And as he continues to undo the things from that first garden... You heard the scripture earlier, it says. This is what is written. The Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead the third day and repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And look, I am sending you what my father promised. As for you, stay in the city Until you are clothed from on high. When Jesus reappears to his disciples, he eats with them, he breathes life into them and tells them, you are going to be clothed. Not with the clothes of death from that first garden. Not 
in the clothes that tried to hold Jesus in death, the burial cloths in the tomb, those are empty. He left those behind and says, and the language in the text, we might translate it as empowered, but it is really the language of clothing. He's telling his disciples, look, I am risen. You can put on clothes of resurrection, holding of power, not power of tyranny, not the power of Pharaoh, but power of life and hope and redemption. He's offering them new clothes, clothes that aren't meant to cover up shame, but clothes that will give them new life and enable them to do the things that he has been teaching them to do throughout his ministry. And so it's in these small ways that Jesus is reclaiming life and goodness and hope on earth. The things that happened in that first garden are not the final story. And this is how Jesus chooses to reestablish his connection and his presence with his disciples. So I wonder what that means for us. What is resurrection? Is resurrection and Easter this time where we just put on our rose-colored glasses and look at the same reality, but we just sort of change the way we see it, and so we just kind of diminish the things that are hard and just say, well, Jesus is risen, so things are fine. That feels kind of empty. It feels like a fleeting sense of comfort. Certainly, we see death patterns in shadow. You, like me, may have woken up on Easter morning and looked at your phone, ready to celebrate resurrection, and then read the headline about Sri Lanka. We still see reverberations from that first garden. But if we say Jesus is risen indeed, then that is not the last word. It means something more than just saying that things are fine, taking a Pollyanna view. It means that we believe there's something real in our present. Jesus' resurrection means new life now, not just in our future. We do believe that when we die, that when we breathe our last breath, that God will raise us and that eternal life is there. But that feels like a very far away, distant experience of resurrection. And when Jesus reappears to his disciples, he doesn't say, hey guys, I'm so glad to be back. Hang in there because eventually resurrection is going to happen. No, he's breathing life into them in their present. He's clothing them with power to do things in the present. There's something about the present that resurrection is meant to be about. And that is for us too. In your own life, you may be waiting for resurrection to happen in a relationship, 
in a battle with an addiction, with disease or heartache. We're all waiting for resurrection and new life in hope, in systems of injustice. But it's interesting to me that God used the very things that brought about death and destruction to actually bring about new life and hope. There was nothing wrong with eating. It was just what they chose to eat and how they chose to do it. And so when Jesus brings himself and offers himself to be the body, to be the bread, he's going to use that very moment to bring about good in our own lives, our own cravings and desires are not often coming from the wrong place, but God can bring resurrection about by reorienting them and shifting us. There's power for us to be changed from within. And it can be in those everyday elements of our lives. Just as that morning of resurrection was not some big cataclysmic event, we may be missing out on the ways that God is weaving resurrection in our lives in ways that seem small or ordinary. But that is how God is working in our lives. And we may want the resolution and the resurrection of something to be this big, huge moment And Jesus may be walking the road, trying to give us wisdom and knowledge all the time that we're looking for something else. And even when Jesus rose and reappeared to his disciples, he still didn't do what they initially thought he would do. He didn't come and take over the government or show a might of power. No, he ate and he breathed and he clothed them. And that is how... He's going to work resurrection in our own lives. In those small, everyday moments. There is hope that in the garden that was supposed to hold death, that Jesus said, no, I can bring about life. There is evidence around us all the time of resurrection. I don't know if you've driven in the mountains around this Pasadena area, but they are green and lush and beautiful because of the rain that we had. But normally they're dusty and and dry. Creation seems to be trying to give new life again. It's growing even in the midst of places where we see darkness and shadow. In my own life, I've experienced resurrection for the women who were at a brunch we had back in the fall, shared my own story of recovery and um, a battle with a serious eating disorder in college and my early adult years. And right now I'm reminded of that time, especially because at that point, my body was was really just turning to dust. It was not able to 
create new life, certainly. And God did a resurrection work in me. And Isaac prepared to give birth to literal new life. I'm reminded of God's power of resurrection. That what once was dead is now alive and is able to give life. God can do that. A few months ago, I was invited by somebody in our congregation, Alexa. I saw her, I don't know where. She's in the back. Hi, Alexa. If you don't know Alexa, you should get to know her. Um, But I was invited to witness another kind of resurrection um, that was probably one of the most powerful experiences I've witnessed. Um, But Alexa is part of a program called Theater Works Project. You can kind of see her in the left there. Um, The Theater Works Project goes into the prison system. And uh, for 10 weeks, they work with inmates. Um, Alexa teaches uh, movement um, and dance. And and Susie and the other teachers um, also bring in aspects of theater. And the inmates who participate in this program... They created their own performance. They wrote their own poetic um, vignettes and and monologues and and pieces. And Alexa worked with them to incorporate movement. And so I was invited to go see them perform um, basically what was their resurrection story. And so I remember showing up at the prison and interestingly enough... Clothing was part of that. Had to wear all black. Reminds me of the clothing from that first garden. And after going through all the security and this kind of desolate place in Lancaster, removed from society, we walked into a room and sat down. And this group of over 20 men were vulnerable enough to be able to perform and share and speak from their heart. Beautiful poetic language about their own stories of transformation, of resurrection. One sketch in particular, I cried the whole time basically, but one sketch in particular involved them holding up these bricks with words like pain and hate and gangs like fear, racism. And they told the story of how in their lives they had been building walls out of these bricks, out of fear and hatred and racism, and that they had seen the destructive force of those things in their lives. But somehow, through their time in this place that really felt more like the tomb in these cement walls with bars... They had found a new reality. And so in this grand gesture, they let that wall of bricks topple on the ground. And in this coordinated movement, they picked them back up. And they made a new wall. With words like community, empathy, humanity, love, courage, equality, family. 
These were the new building blocks of their lives, even within the prison, within the walls where for most of them, they may not uh, see a normal life again. And yet life was coming out of them. It was one of the most moving experiences. And you can see uh, down their pant leg and on the back of their shirt, the clothing that they have to wear, it says prisoner. Like This is the clothing that they've been given. It looks like the clothing from that first garden. But even in that system, these men had found a way to put on the clothing that Christ offered his disciples. Clothing of life and hope and renewal. And we had this special moment after the performance where we all got to just freely mix and mingle in this room and we got to eat a big cake. It was awesome. And they don't normally get cake. And so it was this great treat. But even in that moment of eating, it felt like a continuation of resurrection. I remember talking to one individual as we shared a piece of cake. And he told me, If you look at every one of those guys, I can tell you with certainty, with indeed kind of certainty, that they, if they ever get released back into society, they are going to contribute and they want to give back and they want to do good. They are changed. He was telling me that these men were risen indeed. And it didn't matter that their circumstances weren't changing. It mattered what God was doing inside of them. And he said, there's one in particular who is never going to get out. And he's pursued this path of change and transformation, not to impress a judge or a court or to try to gain favor. He's just being transformed and being made new. And I thought... Isn't this supposed to be our story as followers of Jesus? If we are Easter people, if we say he is risen indeed, then aren't we all about this work of being transformed from within, being part of the transformation of others, even in the very mundane, everyday parts of our lives, as we eat together, as we share air and breathe together, We wake up and put on the clothing of resurrection. This is what is possible. So this morning, where are the places that feel dusty? Where you need God to breathe new life? And what is it that you're wanting to know and understand, or better yet, who is it that you might come to know and understand better if you may even just share a meal with them. And when you wake up in the morning, which clothes are you putting on? The clothing from that first garden or the ones that Jesus is offering to you the clothing 
of life and hope and power. Jesus is risen indeed, and that means that for us, resurrection is possible not just at the end of our life, but in the places that feel dead right now. And we are called to bring that resurrection about, to bring his kingdom here now. We're part of the story of resurrection for each other as well, which is a gift and a calling. So today, will you consider the possibility of eating and breathing and clothing yourself in the resurrection? Will you pray with me? God, we can never fully understand this power of your resurrection, and yet we want so badly for it to be true and real. Thank you that you choose to weave yourself into the everyday details of our life, into the very things that we do as humans. Thank you that you can breathe new life into us. You can clothe us from on high that you offer yourself as the meal. Would you awaken and open our eyes to the possibility of resurrection in ourselves and in others, that we would be truly alive in the present, trusting and believing and hoping and seeking you as you have sought us out. Thank you, God, that we can be people of the resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen.